أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا مولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأصحاب جمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته our final class and we're going to end off with temperament we touched a bit on temperament last week and we spoke a bit about the lifestyle factors we said that it's very important to know yourself and by knowing yourself you can assist the body towards healing and we said that the concept of temperament is as unique as our fingerprint it's a very important tool a powerful tool it's a tool that can improve or make our vision a reality so we can increase us in efficiency the power of temperament is so strong that it can improve our emotional connection with our family and friends it can improve our communication skills with the rest of society and it can provide us to the answers that we have those deep answers about life so the philosophical answers so it allows us to analyze life and creation we spoke about the four different body types and we see these different qualities associated to the to the body types depending on the elements and we said that um, the element of air which is hot and moist is connected to the sanguine individuals a face is heart shaped almond shaped eyes red um, tinge on the skin medium both we said they incline towards occupations that are uh, community roles teachers we said in children we'll see this winning smile So there's many areas to concentrate on in terms of temperament. I just touched on careers, raising children, relationships, and I said we're going to speak about the spiritual aspect. So yes, with each temperament, we can learn about our spiritual selves, because our spirituality requires or relies relies on our day-to-day activities, the way we think, the way we work, or the lack of that. So if you look at the sanguine individuals, remember that they they the 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 socialites so they quickly excited uh, the very humanist people so they can be superficial at times they don't delve too deep into matters they easily distracted they their opinions can change often likewise their moods we find that they're very in touch with their senses the sanguine people they they optimistic people so they're always looking at the bright side of life they can overlook difficulty very easily um the human the they very humorous and very frivolous so often they 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 quite surprised when other individuals aren't sharing the same humor like them and often other people would get irritated with the sanguine humor because the the humor would um emerge at inappropriate times so let's look at the dark side and the angelic side of each temperament bear in mind that we can have the dark side and angelic side of all the temperaments but these individuals are inclined to this first So the dark side of the sanguine because they're into communi- communicational skills and they love community and social they socialize they could seek praise and flattery so they have to look at the intentions they could be in- inclined to exercise their communication skills at all levels therefore they have to take caution when it comes to the boundaries within Islam especially when it comes to the opposite gender opposite gender we find that the sanguine people they love amusement they love company they cannot de- deny their senses the ears the eyes they struggle to remain silent so often you'll find the sanguine people um, regretting what they say because they often blurt out things um they cannot deny their favorite food um when it comes to introspection we find that they, it's a difficult thing for sanguine people 
And um, this, because they're so easily distracted when it comes to the salah, it's difficult for them to connect. That's the dark side of the sanguine. So let's look at the bright side. Because they're extrovert and they're socialites, they make friends very easily. So they're very good at da'wah, like at promoting the deen. When they're on the right path, they, they, they invite people to Islam simply due to their nature. So they'll concentrate on a hadith that mentions we have to smile, we have to do good. And you know, so they, they all live their lives Islamically through that. So therefore, if you're in an organization and you have people volunteering, if you have a sanguine individual, you'll know, move them into public relations, move them into da'wah, etc. Um, the, another thing about the sanguine is that they, they're people's pleasers. So they very willingly, they'll oblige, you know, so it's very hard for them to say no. And the sanguine individuals, they feel very, uh, very hurt when they find that certain individuals don't like them because they're so into communications. Um, the sanguine individual can easily draw attention to their faults. They, they'll admit to their faults easily. And they easily inspire to do good. So when they are feeling down, it doesn't take much to inspire a sanguine person. So let's look at the phlegmatic. We said that these individuals, they have more fat than muscle. They're connected to water. Very emotional individuals. They're very calm, accommodating. They're the natural born counselors in society. The dark side with the sanguine individual, um, the phlegmatic, we said that one of the jobs that is ideal for phlegmatics would be serving nurses, um, school teachers, uh, counselors, etc. The dark side of the phlegmatic would be that they, because of the nature, if they, have, if the the temperament is fed too much in cold and moisture, they become inclined to the easy life. So they can lack ambition. They inclined to eat, drink, and sleep excessively. They neglect their duties. They, they, they don't feel like it's aspiring to lofty things, not even in piety. The bright side of the phlegmatic individual, on the other hand, is that they work carefully. They're very in touch with people's emotions. They treat people's hearts very carefully. So you, they always watch what they say. They, and because of that, they are hurt easily as well. Because they, they make a lot of, they, 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 they strive to, to perfect their relationships. And they always want to be seen in the good light. And they're always about feelings. They're very faithful followers. So we find that the phlegmatic individuals, when they're led by a good imam or leader, amir, etc., they follow very well. They, okay, they, they're not easily swayed by offenses or, or sufferings. They're very composed individuals, very thoughtful, sober-minded, very good judgment. The melancholics, we spoke about them, the deep thinkers of society, thin bone-framed, Arched eyebrows, um, they, they incline towards the arts, drama, poetry. Um, we find that they, um, they like each side is a good and evil side. The dark side of a, of a melancholic would be, um, just one more thing about the melancholic is that they, they, they far-reaching people. So meaning they can reflect easily, they're not happy with the superficial. So they like to delve very deep in things, sometimes too deep for other temperaments. We find that they love the silence, they love solitude. In company, the melancholics are often distracted by their own thoughts. So they'll be in company and people's jabbering, because for melancholics they're speaking too much, and then they'll go into their own world and then you know other people pick it up quickly. So the melancholics, you know who you are, you do that often to the sanguines. And we find that uh, they, they're very serious about life.
people think, other temperaments would think that the melancholics take life too seriously. And at the core of the melancholic person, they have a, a kind of a, a sad or weeping heart. Not because they sick or morbid people, but it's due to their longing to meet their creator. They're longing for perfection because the earthly life reminds them of weaknesses of man and the earthly cravings which, which disconnect them to, to Allah. So the hadith about the Muslim being like a stranger, the melancholic feels like that. They feel like a stranger that's longing for Jannah because they believe that's the only place they'll find perfection. The dark side of the melancholic is that if they or when they fall into sin, it causes them terrible distress of the mind to such a degree that they feel separated from Allah. And depending on the, the severity of the sin, it will have crushing effects on them. They go into a, a cycle of, of despair and humiliation where they lose hope in Allah because they they sort of self-punishment. And, and because of that, it can cause them to go into even deeper sin. So for melancholic individuals that are suffering a certain, and you're doing counseling for them, uplift them through Allah's rahmah. So at that time, you don't want to speak to them about adab. You're supposed to speak to them about the mercy of Allah and how the hadith about the one person that, that killed 99 people or 100 people and he was forgiven afterwards due to his walking towards. So your, your, your manner of da'wah, the way you address the different temperaments is very important if you want to inspire them towards deen. Because there's certain things that you have to work on with some temperaments and others not. So we find that when they become despondent in the, in the sin, they, they, a sad mood overcomes them, it plagues them, so they lose confidence easily in a better condition. That's where you'll find melancholic also, the melancholics lose confidence in the leaders. So they find a blemish on the leader, which every leader has, then it tends to sadden them to such a degree that they don't trust anybody. They often complain, you'll find melancholics complaining the most about the degradation of society and the morals of society, and bad news depresses them. The bright side of the melancholic is they naturally incline towards introspection, reflection. So their levels of piety can be heightened naturally because they can connect easily to Allah. Solitude is easy for them. So they, they have the quality of the awliya. They, they communicate very good with Allah. They, they create benefactors to the ummah. They have this deep desire to help. They're very trustworthy, faithful. It's, it's, um, you'll see something common amongst the pious people that they have a melancholic bolt. They were the philosophers, the deep thinkers of society. The next individual, the bilious people, governed by fire. So we know these individuals, everything is firm about them. The, the facial features, eyebrows, cheekbones, square jaw, the way they walk, very firm, straight to the point individuals. They thrive in positions of leadership. They're people of enthusiasm. They're not satisfied with all ordinary things. They aspire to great and lofty things. They seek great success in even temporal matters. They seek large fortunes, vast businesses, elegant, elegant homes, a distinguished reputation. They, they seek prominent positions. But likewise, when it comes to piety, they also aspire to great spiritual heights. They want to be perfect in the ibadah. They have a burning desire for piety. They yearn to make great sacrifices for the deen. We find that um, they want to make great sacrifices for Allah, for their neighbors. Um, they can lead many people to Jannah. When they're in a good balance with the deen, they're very good leaders. And their natural disposition, the fitra of a balious person, which is towards leadership and, and they're very focused, means that they can reach their vision easily. 
the dark side of a, of a um, pious person is like the fire, connected to the most grievous of sins, which is pride. So the dark side of, of, of pious people, when they're out of balance, means that they're very full of themselves. They're very stubborn, opinionated. They, they, they always believe they're right. Even though there's strong evidence that they're wrong, they could never admit that they're wrong. They're so self-confident that even when they do need help, they'll accept help from nobody. They often despise other people. In their, I'm talking about the dark side of them. They, they consider others to be ignorant, weak, unskilled, slow compared to them. And they'll often make it known to those individuals. They often belittle people through their statements where they put themselves superior and they'll make very inferior remarks to other people. It's often said that due to the leadership nature of religious people, they have two heads but one heart or no heart because they cannot, they lack that emotion. Um, when they do fall into sin, they feel very inferior. The bright side of the religious people is that they, because they're so focused, when they connect to the deen, they can read the, reach the objective very quickly. So they're very recollected in salah. And they can, they, they're strong and they can banish the distractions very easily. They can focus on one point. They're very enduring. They can practice sober patience with physical pain. With, with, they can make great sacrifices. They very, they people of justice. So when they're in balance, they want to stand up for the downtrodden. So they're, they're the people that will lead the marches and they'll, they'll act aggressively against the oppressors. They have a very strong, um, need for justice in society. So the position of the four temperaments, like we said, um, a lot can be spoken about from different angles, but due to the time limit, I can only touch on a bit. When you find out your temperament, you have a dominant temperament and a subdominant. It's very important to note that you cannot have opposites being your dominant and subdominant, because it cancels out. You, can't, you cannot be a dominant sanguine and a subdominant melancholic because you're going to be hot and moist, and the next quality is cold and dry, which is opposites. But you can be sanguinous with adjacent on the side, so you can either be phlegmatic as your subdominant, bilious. Melancholic will come last. So just bear in mind, there's a lot of new information. Um, it's the knowledge that I'm, that I'm sharing with you is basically a, consists of 10 years of research in temperament, in Islamic um, medicine, etc. So there's no way that everything can be grasped in one session. Like each topic that I've given over these few weeks can be spread out over entire year, entire year without lacking content. So the topics get built on depending on what you focus on. If you go into the science, it becomes even more broad. If you go into um, the Islamic part, you have this literature that's untouched, basically. So be in mind, um, don't expect to get all of it at once, but use the information that I gave, the booklets, and that, that way you'll get appreciation for temperaments. So how do we use temperaments? Once you know what your dominant and your subdominant, you'll find there's a common factor. For instance, if you are sub, a dominant sanguine person, but you have a subdominant, we all know that there's one temp, a quality that stands out. Like for individuals, you can see the facial features will match that facial feature. But because we have a mixture of all, you would have a subdominant that can come out in your physical traits or in your personality. So a sanguine person that's dominant and is subdominant phlegmatic, the common factor would be moisture. So meaning that a high le level of moisture is present in this person's body. And if you maintain that level in a, within a range, good health will, will be ensured. And you'll uh, be very productive, in a good mood, lots of energy, etc. If he moves out of his frame, 
due to lifestyle factors that we're going to speak about. And these lifestyle factors all has qualities assigned to them. And we'll go through each one. Before we go into it, we have to talk about physis. Physis refers to the doctor inside, homeostasis, that regulating factor that moves us towards healing. We enter the room and we feel the breeze causing, the, causing our hair to stand on end. That's physis responding. So physis in modern science would be called homeostasis. In different medicine, it would be called qi. In Chinese medicine, there's different words that refers to the vital force in the body that moves us towards healing. So when we find our ideal temperament and we support our temperament through the lifestyle factors, we support our homeostasis. We support the doctor within. Humors refers to those substances in the body, the bodily fluids that moves our qualities around. The temperament is fixed. So once you find your temperament, say you're a sanguine person, that is fixed for life. However, how your environmental factors affect you moves you into different qualities. So um, too much, like a sanguine person will have a lot of heat and moisture, humor in their body. And the word humor, it's an ancient term. So the word humor that we use today, that, that humor me, or that was humor, actually comes from the word humors. Because in the past, it was well understood in society that humors governed our personality traits. So people would say, humor me, meaning, like, um, inspire my temperament, bring out the sanguine part of me, so humor me. So the word still sticks in our language, yet we do not know it comes from the humoral theory, from the concept of humors. The word phlegm, like phlegmatic, even bilious, we still use that word, I feel bilious, why? You feel nauseous because the heat overcoming the body, and one of the, um, the excesses of a bilious temperament is that they feel nauseous, they're prone to migraines, inflammatory states, etc. So humans basically refers to those fluids that are affected by your lifestyle factors. They can move your temperament or move the quality of your temperament into a different field. So the, your temperament is fixed, the humans are affected by the lifestyle factors. So let's look at environmental air and breathing. We find that each season has a quality associated with it. So for instance, we're in summer now. It's the quality is hot and dry. So all the bilious people and sanguine people should be aware that this would be your worst season if you do not manage it well. So bear in mind, you are hot in nature. The environment is hot as well. So now you have to do things in your environment or in your diet, breathing, emotions to counteract the heat. How you can govern it would be, for instance, you have a tension headache. Um, the heat of day is when door time. Try to avoid activities at that time. If you don't avoid activities in the direct sun, you will worsen that headache. So this is how you can use temperament. Cold and moist is, a, is found in winter. The phlegmatic individuals, be in mind that that's your worst season. So try to obtain heat from your lifestyle factors in order to, to make sure you can fend off colds and flus. So each season has a quality and it affects all temperaments different. Breathing exercise is very important. There's, very, there's a whole list of benefits for the entire regulatory system. Uh, if you look in your books, there's different forms of breathing exercise. When we breathe slow, for instance, if you were to just take in breaths very slowly, timingly, you induce cooling in the body. Therefore, you find when you're very heated and you're angry and you just, what they call blow of steam, so you, you're running or you, you're getting emotional and your natural body reaction would be 
Why do you do that? To let off air. And then if you were to breathe slowly, you'll be able to induce coolness in the body. However, if you breathe fast, you induce heat in the body. So you'll find in the, in the tip books that I gave, there's different breathing exercises suited for different temperaments. So in the heart of summer, for the bilious people, practice five minutes of breathing after Fajr using the cooling breathing exercises, which will teach you to, to relax, concentrate on the breath, inhale with visualization. There's different tips. And we find that we spoke about how Quran and dhikr can be used for breathing. Imam Dhabi, one of the writers of Tibbana Nabu, he said that one of the best he said every organ needs an exercise. And the best exercise for respiration for the lungs would be recitation of the Qur'an. And when you recite the Qur'an with tajweed, and the deeper you go into the tajweed with perfection, you'll find that you regulate your breath to perfection. Where the recitation with its um, riwayat and its maqamat, when you, when you apply certain tunes to it, it becomes a very good breathing exercise for the chest, which means that every cell of the body is rejuvenated. We spoke about how dhikr can be used, visualization. And at the end of the day, we want to eliminate impurities from our life. So daily, the way we apply environmental air and breathing to us would be, every day try to connect to nature somehow. If you're at work, if there's a park across the road, spend some time in the park. Understand that when you connect with fresh air, it has an effect on the immunity. So each temperament needs to find a way to manage the environmental air and breathing every day. So number one, if you're smoking, stop, decrease. Understand that when you drive it, drive to work, the fumes as an effect. The gases in your in your PC, on the overhead projector, the gases that which emits from the printer, all as an effect. So therefore, you have to take a break every day, connect with nature. When you do this consciously, it has a great effect. And if you look at the lives of Muslims, uh, our entire life is towards the outdoors. When you go on Hajj. Um, Arafah, Muzdalifah, it all requires us connecting with nature. We drink from the spring of Zamzam. When uh, we perform the Idga, go out into the open area. The entire dunya is a masjid. Uh, we can make salah anywhere. So therefore, it's the utmost importance that Tiba Nabawi teaches us. Environmental air and breathing is very important. I'm just touching the surface. If you go into the books of Tib, they'll talk about how you choose your home suiting for your temperament. Altitudes affected, the sea breeze affect different temperaments because there's moisture. So the people of the cold temperament will be affected. So therefore, asthmatic people, coastlines, if you live inland where it's more hot and dry, your inflammatory states could flare up. So there's a lot that can be said about it. So like I said, just to give an intro to each section, I'm just touching on certain aspects. Food and drink. Food. We know that modern medicine looks at food in terms of um, its vitamins, um, nutritional value, minerals, etc., bioavailability of nutrients, if it's organic or inorganic, um, how pure the food is. But in terms of all that's important, but we look at whether food is heating or cooling. Food can either be heating with moisture or heating with dryness. So an example of heating with dryness would be ginger. If you were to consume ginger, it induces heat in the body. The more ginger you consume, the more hot you will become on at that moment. It induces dryness in the body. If you eat dates, it introduces heat and moisture. Cooling foods would be food like cucumbers, lettuce, etc. So what the implication of this is very important. Because if you are a bilious person and it's a heart of summer, if you're consuming too much heating foods, you bring about heating conditions like headaches, um, inflammatory states, 
certain types of eczema. Um, you can flare up high fever. So various things are flared up because of overindulging. And you often find that you tend to crave the foods that is bad for you. So in other words, the phlegmatic people, cold and moisture is their highest quality. They'll crave, crave dairy products. But too much dairy products is cold and moist. So it can actually worsen the asthma. If we find children, often they get rushed into the emergency ward after um, suffering an asthmatic attack and you ask them what they had, they had a cold McDonald's milkshake at night. So the night's cold, their temperament is cold, it's the heart of winter, and they had a cold beverage. It overpowered their system, too much coldness, the body responded in a certain way. So therefore, alongside medication that's needed, look at the diet because we are what we eat. If you look at foods within different categories like proteins, if you have a lot of protein in your diet, it dries you out. So therefore you, f you see when people have too much meat, they're prone to gout, for instance. What happens in gout is a high level of uric acid, high concentration of uric acid, so meaning that water is very low in the system. So you'll find that proteins has the quality of dryness, meaning when you consume it, it absorbs water quicker. Fats have an over quality of heat. Too much fat, so on a very hot day, if you want to avoid getting too hot, avoid fatty foods, and you can actually control your heat levels. Carbohydrates have a lot of moisture. Therefore, you find that phlegmatic people, when they have a lot of carbs, they pick up weight easy. It's got to do with the metabolism as well, but at the end of the day, it has to do with quality. Water can be cold and moist in its room temperature, but it can also be heating. If you heat up water, boiling water, Water can also be drying. How can water be drying? Ice blocks. If you consume ice blocks, it can actually have a drying effect on, on your body. Why? Because it, it alters the, the body needs to maintain a certain body temperature. When you consume ice, the body heats up as opposed to what we think. It feels cool, but when it enters the body, the body wants to maintain a normal body temperature. If we find in Eastern countries, in the heart of the desert, they'll drink tea because it causes the body to stay in a neutral. It can actually induce coolness as opposed to, to um, heat or what we think. When we, take, we drink ice drinks, we're thinking it's going to cool us down, but therefore we find we have to drink a few glasses of ice drinks to actually quench our thirst. In, when it comes to qualities, different types of food can indicate to its quality, whether it's heating or cooling. Food that's very salty is hot and moist. Why? Because salt takes moisture. Pungent, spicy food is hot and dry, like chilies, etc. Sweet food is moist and hot. Uh, bland or tasteless food is it's cold. So in your, in your books, you'll see these different diets with different temperaments. The importance of eating food is that when it comes to digestion, the whole digestive process needs heat. So we'll find the melancholic people that's cold and dry. They suffer from indigestion because they consume too much cold things. So therefore, good things to have for them before eating would be ginger, ginger tea or lukewarm water or a teaspoon of honey because all of those things are heating, so it kick-starts digestion. Movement and rest. This is another lifestyle factor. So we spoke about environmental air and breathing, which is a lifestyle factor, and this can impact your temperament. We spoke about food, movement, and rest. Exercise is very important. But remember that... Exercise can also induce the heat and dryness in the body, depending what type of exercise. 
So we know in Islam that, uh, that everything revolves around physical movement. We know that um, swimming is encouraged, archery, there's many sunan when it comes to exercise. But also it's very important to suit the exercise to your temperament, your physical condition, your age. If you haven't been exercising for years, you cannot start doing um, push-ups, um, 20 push-ups in a row. You know, you have to take everything gradually. So generally across the board, a 20-minute brisk walk daily is fine for everybody. It's perfectly safe. But when you want to do some cardio work, you have to consult your physician. So too much exercise induces heat and dryness in the body. So how do you use this? Um, there's various exercises. The exercises that are slow or more cooling, like um, yoga, for instance, that's a cooling exercise. That's an exercise you'll recommend for the bilious temperament. doesn't mean bilious people cannot sprint. They just have to be aware that when it comes to the heart of summer, which is hot and dry, they are hot and dry. If they run down, run down the beach at midday when it's the most hot and dry, they'll induce too much heat in the system. Or to overcome that, jog after Fajr in the morning or after Asr when the sun's setting. So you'll get, you'll, the, the, the jogging will be more beneficial. Increase your water intake. Sleep and wakefulness, very important. Your balance between sleep and wakefulness is different for different temperaments. The bilious personality, which is the go-getter, they just need five hours of sleep due to their temperament. Melancholic, also five hours. The phlegmatic people need eight hours of sleep. So you have a problem when you have a bilious husband and a phlegmatic wife, because they're always sitting fast. The husband will say that you're lazy, you're sleeping for too long. But they, you wouldn't understand that the phlegmatic temperament needs eight hours. If they sleep too, too little, they'll be moody for the entire weekend. If they sleep too much, they'll be too lethargic. So getting the balance right is very important. Sleep in itself is cooling, because the entire system goes into not shut down, it gets regulated at a, at a lower level. Digestion continues, but at a lower level. Due to the fact that you're resting, all the organs can be revitalized, can be replenished. So therefore, it's important for our immunity to, to ensure that we get good sleep. If you look at the Sunnah, we'll find very, there's, there's numerous benefits. I only chose a few aspects to touch on due to time. Prophet Sallam recommended in the Hadith, he told one Sahaba, that whenever you go and sleep, perform a wudu. He said, perform the wudu as you would for a salah and sleep on your right hand side. And then he gave this beautiful dua to recite. A dua that basically hands over any matter to Allah. It reestablishes the matter of life. And if you look at it, the people that suffer from insomnia, the main causes would be related to emotions. Yes, there's organic causes, meaning at the cellular level due to hormonal imbalance, etc. But there's always an emotional layer. So when you perform the wudu, and we remember all the benefits of the wudu in terms of calming the emotions, and you recite this dua with meaning, it can do a lot to overcome that insomnia. We, towards the end of the hadith, the Prophet said that whoever does this, he will die. On the, if he dies in the night, on this dua, he will be, be leaving this world on a true deen. If he survives the next morning, he will obtain good for the day. So meaning that it gives us belief, it strengthens our resolve. So going tonight with all these thoughts and, and yakin in all the Prophet's words can do a lot for our emotions. Let's look, look at the advices that the Prophet said to sleep on your right hand side. There's many sleeping postures. And today the, the science is deep on how you should sleep and how important it is for body alignment and incorrect pillows and mattresses, etc. All plays a role. Incorrect sleeping positions, even worse. So sleeping on your stomach. 
um, many of us do this is due to habit and um, we can't overcome it because we've grown accustomed to it. But maybe through understanding the implications of it, we'll try to change that habit. And all habits can be changed through trying to break it. So sleeping on your belly, what does it mean? It leads to incorrect posture. It, it leads to um, the vertebra being incorrectly aligned. Why? Because the weight is being pulled on the vertebra. And it impedes proper respiration. We know that when we breathe, the, the, the lungs and the diaphragm requires expansion of the, of the chest. When you're laying on your belly, on your stomach, with a weight on your chest, you cannot breathe optimally. Um, studies have been done on uh, um, sudden infant um, death syndrome. Um, you know when babies, they, often we find in the, um, the statistics that babies die suddenly, cot death they call it. And studies have shown that children that sleep on their bellies are, have a three times higher risk to die of this condition due to their sleeping posture. So it doesn't mean if babies are sleeping like this that you should freak out the parents and say the child is going to... You know, just, this is just a, a, a statistic. So basically, um, sleeping on the belly is not the best position. What about sleeping on the back? What happens when you sleep on the back? Due to gravity, the jaw relaxes, so the mouth, the mouth open. So you tend to breathe through the mouth. And it leads to sleep apnea. It causes snoring because the epiglottis, located at the back of the throat, impedes the, the windpipe. So it prevents proper respiration breathing. If you look at the nose, the nose is designed to take in air. It has nose ears to trap dust. But if we lay on our back and we open our mouth, we, the mouth becomes the, the, entry, um, the entry area for air, which leads to drying out of the mouth. It can lead to a formation of a white coating on the tongue. It leads to what they call halitosis, bad breath. It can lead to certain types of infection because it changes the pH in the mouth. So too much dryness allows certain bacteria to thrive, so it can increase your risk of gum disease. And bad posture, laying on your back, is very bad for, 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 for the lower back especially. Is there any problem laying on the left? Yes, there is. If you lay on your left, just bear in mind that this doesn't mean that if you cannot find comfort in sleeping on your right, that you must force yourself sleeping on your right. Sometimes you could have a condition that allows better sleep on your left. It's just, if you can sleep on your right, do that. And it doesn't mean that because there's some medical evidence suggesting certain things that your health is going to be badly harmed. It's just, it's just information for us to move towards the sunnah in a better light. If you look at the anatomy and the position of the heart, we'll see that the heart is positioned to the left. So there's a, a space within the left lung allowing space for the heart. So the right lung is actually larger than the left lung. So if you sleep on your left, it means that the heart would have the heavier lung pressing on it. So meaning that there is weight on the heart, there will be a heavier weight on the heart. And the bigger the person, the more you are over your BMI, your recommended body weight, the more pressure on the heart. So it leads to a tired heart. If you look at the abdomen, the organs, the way they, they, they're situated, you'll see that the stomach is a boot-shaped type of organ, it's hollow, located to the left, and the liver, which is a large, solid organ, located on the right. So if we sleep on our left side, our digestion is impeded. So we find that when we sleep on our left, 
the transit time increases, meaning digestion is slowed down by hours, up to six to eight hours that it would take for food to digest by sleeping on, the, on your left because the organs of your abdomen is putting pressure on the belly and it's impeding the way food is moving. What happens when you sleep on your right? The recommended sunnah. It means that the, because the left lung is the smaller lung, less pressure is on the heart. If we look at the anatomy of the heart, we'll notice that the bronchi gives a certain angle on the left bronchi. It's at a different angle, more perpendicular. So if you sleep on your right, it means that you can expel mucus better from the left lung because it can move directly up the bronchi as opposed to sleeping on your left where you actually impede that area. If you look at the position of the organs, we'll find that it facilitates digestion and the transit time actually decreases or the, the digestion process is more efficient within four to six hours your digestion can be completed as opposed to sleeping incorrectly. And your posture. Sleeping on your right has been shown scientifically to be better for posture. But like I said, it doesn't mean, it depends on person specific. You could have a condition that doesn't allow for it. So don't force yourself. At the end of the day, the sunnah is meant to facilitate ease. And that's the point of the sunnah. Don't put yourself, the same with salah. We spoke about the salah positions. But if you cannot ruku or sujood, don't force yourself. In actual fact, some of the will say it's makru. To force yourself to recall sujood when you're in pain. Because salah is supposed to be a position or induce humility. Your mind is supposed to be free. And if you're in pain, it cannot, you cannot be completely humble in salah. Well, let's look at emotions. So the point of the lifestyle factors is that each factor has a quality that it induces. And you have to find out what's your temperament and manage your day every day according to lifestyle factors. So we look at emotions. We all go through the same emotions. However, each temperament will be inclined to the emotion that suits their temperament. So we find that the bullious people, they're prone to anger because they're hot and dry and emotion is, and hot and, is, and, is a hot and dry emotion. So when they suffer anger, it induces heat and dryness. If you look at the quality of anger, we see that the, fl- the face becomes flushed. You rise from your seat when you're angry. The heart rate increases. This redness, everything shows heat. Therefore, you find from the Sunnah, Prophet said, that when you're angry, perform wudu. Because water cools down fire. So therefore, we see in the Sunnah, the concept of temperament is evident. We find, the Prophet said, if you're standing, sit down. If you try to explain it from any other philosophy, it wouldn't make sense. But if you explain it from the philosophy of Tib, it makes complete sense. Heat rises. So if you're sitting, if someone angers you, the natural action is to be aggressive. But if you follow the sunnah and the Prophet said you must sit, if you're standing, sit, so you're subduing that heat. Why? Because the earth is cold. The closer you go to the earth, the quicker you induce coolness. If you are sitting, lie down, the sunnah says. So if you are able to do all of that, make the wudu, decrease your posture, you can actually decrease the, the, the anger alongside diet. Another important, important thing to mention, we spoke about foods early on, being heating or cooling. In the Sunnah we find that the Prophet ﷺ spoke about the, the coolness of cucumbers can overcome the heat of dates. If you were to understand it from any other type of medical system, it wouldn't make sense. But in the Tib philosophy it makes complete sense because it has evolved into this science whereby we treat illness conditions with opposite qualities. So therefore you find that um, 
a phlegmatic person which cold and moist find themselves in winter. They overcome by flu easily. They have a lot of dairy products which is cold and moist. They are prone to fear. So naturally they are prone to be fearful. They are prone to depression which is also cold and moist. They are very weepy like water. Because the body wants to rid itself of water, of excess moisture. Therefore you find if they come to a practitioner and we look at the temperament, we automatically know how to treat them. We give them heating herbs. What are heating herbs? Ginger. We'll tell them a remedy for your condition would be chicken ginger soup. People wonder that's, that's strange, but if you look at the old, the old wives' tales or our granny's recipes for flu, it would be chicken soup. Why? Because chicken is eating, the spices are eating. So all of that overcomes the coldness in the person. And when you take in eating spices, what happens? It excites the mucous membranes. It causes secretion of, of mucus, which gets rid of the bug. So if you look at science, they will talk about ginger, chili, peppers, um, cayenne pepper, all being antimicrobial due to certain constituents. But in TIB, we view it as heating. So we, 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 we reach the same conclusion, but through different philosophies. So if you look at different temperaments, we'll find that the sanguine people, they're prone to worry. And it's easy to test. Just, you know, if you're sanguine, you worry a lot. Why? Because you're out of balance. Why are you out of balance? Because there's too much of heat and moisture in your body. So you're a sanguine person, you love sweet things. When you're having too much sweet things, you're inducing too much heat and moisture in your body, it will make you prone to worry. So something happens, you're worrying about something, it will never ever happen. So if you're a sanguine person, you could use this to your benefit. You know, first of all, that worry is my worst emotion. When it flares, you can check yourself. A red flag goes up. This emotion, if I hang on too long to it, it's going to make me less productive. And that's how you could use the temperaments. When it comes to um, treating emotions, we treat it via color therapy, aromatherapy, scents. The Prophet used to love utter. And we find that the science of aromatherapy developed from that. Prophet used to like using musk, oud. All these utters that we use liberally has an effect on our temperament. The bilious person that heated in the heart of summer shouldn't be using oud. Because oud is a spicy fragrance, so it's heating, so it could agitate him. So therefore you find some people that certain odors causes him to have a migraine. Why? Because most likely you're a heated individual and that odor is very hot in nature. So likewise you'll see that different smells have different qualities associated to them. So for the bilious people, the best scent for you would be sweet smelling scents. Because sweet smelling induces moisture. So like... Uh, Musk would be good sense to you. So what you wear has the effect on your temperament. So if you know your temperament, you could choose something that complements you. The color, yellow is a very heating color. Green also heating. Red is actually supposed to be heating as well. We will continue after Isha. Assalamu alaikum. We can ask the brothers to please leave first from the door. Over there, we are the sisters to please leave after. Shukran very much. In the classes, as I connect with each temperament at the beginning of the class, I can confidently say that I had the attention of everybody in the room because I used certain keywords. I'll remind you what I said. I said that the temperament is a powerful tool because it allows you to reach your vision more efficiently. So all the bilious people looking, why? 
because they're all about vision. I see that it's a, a powerful, important tool to improve your emotional connection with families. All the phlegmatic people look because they're about family and connection. And then I said it will improve your communication skills. All the same one people was, was really interested. And then I mentioned that it will answer your deep, on the deep part of life, the analytical aspect about, about creation, and the melancholics took note. So that's how you could use temperament. So as you delve into the temperament, the deeper you go in, the more it becomes an asset in terms of your day-to-day living. And that's just one example. But just use it for good. Okay, so we spoke about color, and the whole point about temperament is to know what qualities affect you and how it can bring out the best in your life. And if remember that the most dominant quality of your temperament affects you negatively first. So if you're a cold individual, the cold, tonight's cold, it will get you first. And if you don't cover up well, you could get a flu or a cold in summer. So that's how we... we understand infections. We don't disagree that it's a presence of microorganisms, bacteria. But our difference is that when you're out of balance, your immunity is more susceptible to flus. Why is it when four people enter a room and they're all being exposed to, say, the same flu? Why is it that only two or three people, or maybe just one person, gets the flu? Yet they had the same amount of bacteria, they inhale the same amount, because each of them would find themselves in a different temperamental balance. Sometimes you automatically, instinctively know that this food complements my temperament and you feed it and you listen to your body and you know when not to overdo it, etc. So you support your immunity. So you can overcome infection like that because you support the physis. But when you go against it, you make your body susceptible to colds and flus. And that's how we, as the practitioner, approach illnesses. So color has the effect. Smells have the effect. And we mentioned that the Samar Center is a place of, of temperament and therefore we find that the massage room revolves around color. So colors will be chosen specific for your temperament. Oils will be chosen, even what you listen to. So at the center, while you're having a massage, you could listen to Kira'a or you can listen to Qasida or to sounds. So for, for a bilious person, that ideal color would be a blue color because blue is cooling. They'll get a, a lavender massage because it's soothing. They'll listen to water sounds, etc. That's how you can use temperament and understanding of qualities to complement your life every day. So we spoke about the elimination in the past, how important it is to eliminate. This is one lifestyle factor. So the lifestyle factors are those factors that influences your health every day. And if you understand your temperament and qualities, you can apply it to your daily lifestyles. And we spoke about all of these forms of elimination. Um, when it comes to elimination, um, the oils that you use for massage is important. If you use olive oil, it has a heating quality. Therefore, we find, in the, um, especially in the Indian tradition, they love oiling the air. You know, the amla oil and the coconut oil. And for some reason, the children, grandchildren hated. But it's actually based on temperament. You'll find that the, the nannies and the daddies, the grannies, would use coconut oil in summer. Because coconut is cooling. So it can keep away tension headaches. You'll find that they'll use olive oil in winter because olive is heating. So it can actually increase the innate heat within the body. So we'll find that in our tradition, Islamic heritage, the concept of temperament comes in our tradition, but we don't know it. And we tend to move away, move towards the modern day of living. And in actual fact, we're leading our body to more illnesses. So how do we understand illnesses within the Tib philosophy, which grew from Hippocrates, but because of the Sunnah 
it basically baraka was added to the concept of temperament. We understand the body has an innate healing ability. Then by understanding temperament, you will know how to support the body's healing ability. Humors and lifestyle factors teaches you how to make choices every day. So every day, whatever you do affects everything about you. Like we know, any thought and action affects our good and bad deeds. Likewise, everything we do, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the scent we apply, the color we wear, everything has an effect. So we become more conscious human beings in terms of what we do. We don't go around haphazardly. And this is what the Dean is about, is about bringing consciousness to our lives. We understand the principle of cause and effect that we have a big, um, a big part to play when it comes to our condition because Allah has designed this world to be a place of cause and effect. Every illness have a cause, every illness has a cure. in Dawa, the Prophet said. So therefore, approach every illness from, from prophetic medicine. Practice a sunnah, every illness can be improved. We don't say that those illnesses that they term incurable cannot be improved because you can improve your quality of life because any all illnesses requires that your bowels have to be efficient, that you have to consume good food. And when you do that and live according to the sunnah, you can improve the quality of life. In turn, we believe that illnesses below the age of 40 can be reversed. Not to say that you have an illness after 40, you're doomed. But statistically, because it's been something that accumulated over time, it's harder to leave the body. Therefore, the concept of preventative medicine is important. And the view on infections is that if you balance your temperament, you can actually fend of certain infections. So the basically understanding your temperament and lifestyle factors is easy in terms of health and disease. When you manage your lifestyle factors well, you can prolong health. When it's mismanaged or you're not, you don't acknowledge the lifestyle factors and just go about everyday choosing things haphazardly and it happens to be against your temperament, it leads to illness. But be in mind that illness is part of life. The Prophet lived the most healthiest life, but he was struck by illnesses. So when you become ill, remember there's a sunnah to illnesses as well. The approach to illnesses and in the life of a believer, the illness is looked as a compensation, a purification. So that's all has to be taken, the holistic approach has to be applied. When it comes to illness conditions, we'll know that the people that are sanguine, they suffer from hypertension and diabetes, people that are phlegmatic, phlegm-related conditions. But it doesn't mean that the melancholic person can't suffer from hypertension. It means that the moisture overcame their body to such a level that it led to hypertension. And um, osteoporosis, which is, uh, melancholics are prone to that. So how do you use this knowledge? Melancholic teenagers that grow up should, should know that their bodies, bodies are cold and dry in nature. So to support them from a young age, have moisturizing things like dairy products, which is known for calcium, weight-bearing exercises. So combine modern-day medicine and the concept of temperament, and you can improve your health. If you look at uh, these illness conditions, you will find that each one has a dominant quality. Too much dryness in the system can cause arteriosclerosis. Too much moisture leads to asthma. So likewise, these, these qualities that are attached to everything around us. And when those qualities overpower our temperament, that we are the temperament that dominates us, it leads to illness. So the whole concept is to understand who we are and understand what affects us in terms of how we feel our health. And if you look in prophetic medicine, you'll see uh, one famous hadith of Prophet was sitting with Ali and um, they were offered dates. And the Prophet prevented Ali from eating the dates because he suffered from conjunctivitis. 
conjunctivitis is with interp medicine is viewed as a hot and moist illness condition. And if you look at it, it's, it's, it manifests as heat and moisture, redness, swelling, oozing. And this was a condition of Ali. And he, the Prophet prevented him from eating dates at that time because dates increased his heat and moisture. In other words, it would worsen his inflammatory state. And we find today that sugar actually allows bacteria to thrive. So Prophet prevented him from eating dates. If you were to look in this, in this hadith in isolation and not understanding temperament, you wouldn't be able to make sense of the hadith. But if you understand temperament, you would know why the Prophet would keep a staple diet away from the Sahabi only that time. Then the Sahabi's wife brought barley soup, which is cooling. And the Prophet said, this is better for you. So the concept of temperament is well known in Islamic medicine. So in turn we look at faces, the innate healing ability that Allah has given all of us. We look at the causes which can be um, hereditary causes and lifestyle causes. So every day we have a big control over health. Often we feel that we're disempowered, that we don't have no power when it comes to illness and health. But here we see that through lifestyle factors, every day you are actually making choices that makes you stronger or bring on illnesses. So the whole aim of Tib and Nabawi, of prophetic medicine and Tib is to restore the balance. So there's two ways of getting to find that balance. Whatever medication you're on at the moment, if you apply the lifestyle factors, it will improve the use of that medication. Because the medication is used maybe just for, say, blood pressure medication. So at the cellular level, at the uh, regulatory level, it's used just to bring down the blood pressure. But if you look at temperaments, you're actually treating the cause. Because the cause could be linked to your emotion, it could be linked to a certain quality. The option number two is that you could combine certain tip medication with your current medication. But that can only be done according to a practitioner's advice. So the personalized program is very important. That we are individuals, so we need a personalized program. Therefore, we cannot generalize lifestyles because we are all different. Therefore, we find that certain people like phlegmatics, they watch um, melancholics, models for instance and they want to look like the melancholic but you're going against your body's vices your body needs a certain level of fat so so phlegmatic people are always going to be big bone people which suits their body type so in modern society all the melancholic women are used in the modeling ads and the phlegmatic people are trying to look like the melancholic but you cannot because you're going against your body structure Therefore, we find when they go through on these strict diets, they crash course diets, and they actually get that body weight, other illnesses occur. Common one would be thyroid problems because their weight has been so drastically affected. So understand there's certain weight distribution that is suited for your body type. So therefore, in, in prophetic medicine, everybody's, um, the, 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 your shape and your frame is appreciated. So you, there's no one level that has to be followed, and that's, that's the concept of the West. So you know what your body type is, we know what qualities can increase, the, what things in the environment increase that quality, we know, we learn about illnesses associated with your body type, so for instance you suffer from diabetes, your children share your, your temperament, they are most likely to suffer from it. Introduce preventative medicine in your home through health promotion and the best health promotion is via the Sunnah. If you want to know more about the course and, and everything that we spoke about, lifestyle, these three books is enough to equip you with the basic knowledge. Be in mind, these three books are made for universal audience. If you see the pictures are meant for, for all school levels, etc. and the other books. It's not specifically meant for Islamic audience only. 
and but my my talks and my course has been designed for Islamic audience, so I therefore I adapted many ahadith and uh, yeah, just to mention there are so many. And the the difficulty of the course was to combine, uh, try to present this for everybody, because we have grannies, we have health professionals, so I had to combine science and things that will appeal to people that are not so interested in science and had to combine the sunnah and bring hadith in, so it was quite challenging in that terms. But when you want to learn about temperament, these three books are important to get. If you want to feel the temperaments being assessed, if you want to feel color therapy, everything we spoke about is practice at Samar. So you could go for your massage suit for your body type, you could go for, you're going to have courses specific, so for instance raising children or relationships or illness conditions specific and they will be able to really appreciate the concept of temperaments. Um, this is the Prophetic Healing Institute web um, email address for any queries, contributions, etc. And at the end of the day, the purpose of us being here is to improve our lifestyle. And the best way to improve it is via the Quran and the Sunnah. The Prophet told us that if we hold on to the Quran and the Sunnah, we will never go astray. So as we heard that um, within our deen, Balance can be sought through health as well. And it's, it's actually compulsory on us to apply this information. We are what they call mukallaf with the information. What does mukallaf mean? It means you reach that age where you have enough knowledge where there's a burden placed on you. And when we seek knowledge and we obtain knowledge of the sunnah, it becomes incumbent upon us. So what do we do from here? Now that we have the theory, what do we do? We have to apply the theory. So it's very important to take steps apply the sunnah and hopefully through the course we realize that no sunnah is insignificant. We realize that the sunnah is not just a religious recommendation, it's actually a necessity, especially in today's times. So I try to apply the sunnah to the best of our ability and, and make those changes and, the, and when you make those changes it becomes an incentive because you'll feel vitality in your life. You'll feel that the fatigue is leaving. You'll see the, the difference amongst people. And when you do that, you're coming close to the sunnah. You're coming close to the deen. And we love Islam holistically. Um, I know there's some questions. I, I won't be able to answer all the questions when it comes to temperament. Um, those that want to go deeper, I, I advise that you, you see a practitioner at the, um, the Samar Center. There's tip practitioners. There are tip practitioners here available to answer some questions with temperament for those that bought, brought the temperament evaluation sheets, but bear in mind that there's a lot that can be spoken on it. Um, when it comes to this, a few questions here. Uh, one question is, is your temperament connected to your blood group? It's a very good question. It was one, this one question I was willing, I was um, intending to research for a very long time. Because there could be a link, and I won't be surprised if there is. One thing I can say is that temperament gives you an understanding to why blood testing cannot be generalized. So in India, where temperament is studied in research facilities thoroughly, they found that certain groups of individuals has a different blood profile that suits them. For instance, we know commonly melancholic people suffer from anemia. So they'll have the typical symptoms of dizziness, fatigue, loss of energy, uh, pale complexion, but when they do a blood test, the iron levels are fine. Why? Because there's a certain level that's suited for their body type. Therefore, we cannot generalize things. But we shouldn't go around and try to use our own bit of information on temperament and diagnose. At the end of the day, leave it to the tip practitioners to diagnose temperament. At the end of the day, we rely on blood grouping as well. We rely on blood tests for our diagnosis as well. It's just important to remember that people cannot be generalized. 
The human being is too complex. And we know that as science carries on, uh, scientists are realizing that the body is more complex than the entire universe itself. As we go deeper, we find out that the miraculous nature of Allah is founded in, in the minutest cell, etc. Another question what they asked about the water. Um, wh- how much glasses of water to drink when and before meal, after meal. Generally, we would say drink hour, half an hour to an hour before meal, some water and after. Discourage drinking water through a meal because it could dilute the digestive enzymes. But just remember, this is just a generalized. Some people, they prefer to have it, so don't be too strict on it, except when you're getting advice from a practitioner. So I don't want to keep people too long because the bilious people are hungry. They're giving me heavy stairs. Phlegmatic people are also hungry. The melancholy people, they want a deeper feeling. They want to talk about, you know, philosophical things. But um, anyway, this is the end of the course. Um, I want to congratulate everybody for being part of something very great. Not because I had anything to do with it, but because it's the Sunnah. We revived the Sunnah that, is, that will definitely grow from here. And you, everybody that's here today will actually build on that Sunnah. So we heard the Prophet saying that whoever revives the Sunnah, they will get the reward of everybody that actually practices on it. So go home, spread the knowledge with your families. If you're a healthcare practitioner, incorporate it in your practice. Practice it at your own level. But be in mind that every time you practice it, you are not only growing spiritually, but you will be doing so emotionally and physically. And um, my dua is that Allah um, like extend this knowledge as far and wide as possible. And my niya is that um, I hope that everybody has benefited from it in any way. I hope that uh, it improved our health of the community at the level of our children, elderly, etc. I make dua for me as well so that I can continue with this work. And also we need people to come on board. We need people to go into the field. to you know. So if you recognize your temperament and you recognize I want to be part of this, Send me an email, we'll find a way like, you know, for university studies, if you want to contribute, uh, volunteer work in giving courses, etc. Or be part of courses in any way, we can talk. Um, so therefore, um, join, the, join, join the Dawah work at, at your level. You know? Talk to people about Sunnah, give them one Sunnah. When you visit somebody that's ill, give them a Sunnah, take them fruit or take them... You know, something that will uplift them. And by doing that, you will be doing a lot for Islam and for yourself. The, the wonderful thing about the Sunnah is that when you promote it, you're actually not doing a service to the deen, you're doing a service to your life. Our lives become more meaningful. Um, so we can complete with the, with the dua, inshallah. I see there's a lot of liquor food. So we can practice tip tomorrow. We eat liquor tonight. So therefore, anything in moderation. So at the end of the day, we don't have to be too strict. But be in mind is balanced. So tomorrow's cleanup. It's a lot of water. Veggies in the morning, etc. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala ashrafim mursaleen. Sayyidina wa nabiyina maulana Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa salam. Ashaaru jama'in. Ya awwala awwaleen, ya akhira akhireen, ya dhal kuwati mateen, ya rahima masakin, ya rahma rahimeen. Ya dhal jalali wa likaram, ya Allah. Rabbana ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا ذب النار وعدخنا الجنة مل برار يا عزيز غفار يا رب العالمين اللهم اشفي مرضانا اللهم اشفي مرضانا 
اللهم اشفي مرضانا وارحم موتانا اللهم اغفر لاهل القبور من المسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وسكنهم في الجنه اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وسكنهم في الجنه اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وسكنهم في الجنه برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله Shukran. Shukran. Alhamdulillah. Uh, we can also assist us to um, get the certificate at the back. Everybody's welcome to enjoy the meal. Bismillah. Um, and then obviously when the sisters come out, we ask the brothers to get the um, certificates. Shukran. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.